Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited about the podcast today. We've got my good friend, Tim, who pastors a great church, and we're talking about the difference between attraction and retention. How do you build more of an attractional model for church, but then also how do you retain at a greater level? I hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's dive into it, man. How can I serve you today, Tim? Well, uh, yeah, we've been here in Silver City for about two years and mm-hmm. um, kind of inherited a, a, a wonderful congregation, but smaller, but but growing. So I'll have a question about that. But, but really my first question, I don't know if you get this often, it's kind of the reverse question of... Um, what do you do with two, like uh, growing congregation, small building, two services, and right. uh, all the problems of growing? We got a wonderful building. It was built in the 1980s, but a big, I mean, seats for oh, 500 people, and uh, the congregation's around 100. What, what do you do? What are some, some things to utilize a building that's too big for the congregation, specifically the sanctuary? Yep, yep. Yeah, that uh, unfortunately uh, is a challenge for a lot of churches. Uh, you know, um, man, there's, I'm just quickly in my head, I can just kind of calculate four or five friends of mine that, hey, I took this church uh, that seats, I got a buddy, his church seats 2,000 people. They have 300 in the church. Wow. Uh, you know, a 1,500 seat auditorium, 80 people in the church. Um just some thoughts. I've never been to your facility. I've never uh, seen, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never seen the facility. I have no idea. But, man, I, I, I'm telling you, um, uh, I was kind of put into that situation years ago before I became a lead pastor. Uh, it's it's a long, convoluted story. But before I became a lead pastor, they wanted me to run this sort of, it was back in the day when there was contemporary and traditional. Uh, and and so, that, I mean, that was years ago, you know. Um, but I told them, I said, we're not meeting in the auditorium. There's no way. Uh, we're not meeting in the main auditorium. This main auditorium is way too big. Uh, so we're going to meet in this other building. We're going to make it look great. We're going to put up some, you know, whatever whatever you put up to make it look good, the flat screens, right. the, the stage, all that. We are going to make it the best it can be, you know, without, without breaking the bank. Uh, we might even go to two services here, but we are not until we move over there. We had that happen. I'm the founding pastor of South Hills. We had that happen with a, a campus, a church that shut down, literally had eight people left. And they're like, hey, you know, um, you know, do you want to take this building over? And so we took it over and we moved them. Uh, we moved them first into a house, <laughs> took the eight, went to 25, moved them to the backyard, moved them from the backyard to the fellowship hall, then from the fellowship hall to the main auditorium, that campus within four or five years was running a thousand people. But man, um, you have to, I think it's really important that you create rooms that, that create environments. Uh, I'm a big fan of environments and, um, I, I, that word environments, I think you have to set up the environment. Uh, some people might look at pipe and drape. That can get really expensive. You know, one of our campuses has literally from ceiling to floor, we can go from 200 to 600 to 800 to, you know, 1,000, whatever. It just can be moved around every which way. Uh, and that's a little bit of a different setup. But my encouragement to you, Tim, is I think that you have to create, somehow you're going to have to create the environment 
Um, that's exciting because let's be realistic. You know, if I walk in there, I'm just telling you how I would feel. If I walk in there and I'm maybe I'm a Christian, maybe I'm not, I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of exploring this whole faith thing. I walk in and there's 100 people in an auditorium that seats 450. It's like going to a it's like going to a restaurant on Friday night and every other one is packed except for that one. It makes you think, why isn't this one packed on Friday night? There's only two people in it. You know, I walked into a Chinese buffet one time on a Friday night at eight o'clock and there was two people sitting in the corner. It probably had room for 200. And I'm like, the food can't be that good. <laughs> Something's got to be wrong here. And uh, uh, I would think the same thing with the church. You walk in and, and so anyway, bottom line is, I think you got to create an environment. Great environment, yeah. Do you have that opportunity? Well, we have a balcony too, so we just close off the balcony. So that, so the lower that part helps. probably is like more two two fifty. Yeah. And um, again, after COVID, I don't know what's your experience been with people. Are they wanting to sit close together? People wanting to space out? Um, and that that's one of the benefits of a bigger building when when the state restrictions were in and stuff. If that were right. ever to happen again, we yeah we can keep going with. <laughs> 25% capacity or whatever. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It, have you noticed people, our people I, like each other. So they, they kind of yeah. clump I, together. I don't, but. I don't, uh, yes, yes. Maybe a year, year and a half ago. Uh, but man, I, so much I'm in probably 30 or 40 different churches a, a year. Uh, and I don't feel that at all anymore. I, mean, I was just in a church in Ohio just a couple, couple weeks ago. And I mean, it was wall to wall people and yep. no one yep. even, you know, maybe I saw two masks and that was it. You know, everybody's just kind of back, back to the way it was, but create the environment. Definitely create the environment, Tim. You got to create an environment of energy. Think about since you're creating the environment and you're new, the one thing I would, uh, you're somewhat new to the church. uh, And again, you've probably have already thought about this, but think about it from eyes of people that, uh, uh, don't regularly go to church. Always remember that guests don't come with mercy. They come with judgment. Hmm. Guests don't come with mercy. They come with judgment. So I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't heard, but fresh eyes and a fresh approach might help in this. What is the experience um, from the from the curb to the chair? You know, I open up the door at the church. Okay, let's just walk this through. I open up the door. I pull up. I'm new to the church or newish or maybe it's my first time. I don't know. I open up the door. I hear any music? Anybody greeting me? Is it music I recognize? Is it music I don't recognize? Is it music that fits the culture? Um, am I greeted one time, no times, four times before I get in the building? Um, how, how, how am I treated as I walk through the building? What's the environment when I come in? Uh, what's the energy feel like? I, I think familiarity breeds neglect. So the more familiar we get with something, the more we neglect. And Whenever I do a thing, I do a thing with churches, um, right, wrong, missing, confusing. And when they do the right, they always say, we're friendly. I have, <laughs> I probably have coached hundreds of churches, our team. We've got hundreds, we got a lot of coaches and all that. I'm telling you the number one answer. I laugh with all the other coaches like friendly, friendly. I'm like, they haven't been new there in a while right? because they're not as friendly as they think. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, believe me, I've sat in churches where I'm like, I walked, they didn't know I was a speaker. I walked in, I sat down 15 minutes into it. There was no greeting. There was no music outside. I was like, man, this is not a great environment. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel, I know this is kind of a non-churchy term. It doesn't feel like a party. Right. It feels a little bit more like a funeral. 
than it does an actual party. So I would just think about like, hey, let's evaluate. Is there signage? Is there kids out yep. there, teenagers out there waving signs saying, hey, we, we, we got a seat for you. We reserved a seat for you. Welcome. You look great today. Uh, you know, I don't know. Just all those things. Just making it fun and energetic. We just had a meeting last Thursday, just, yeah, with greeters, security, and ushers. And again, I, I kind of moved a little slowly getting to know the congregation, didn't want to change things right up front. But now, two years in, it's time to, and, and kind of the ushering, the greeting was good. I mean, they, they, yeah. they're, they're very, I mean, you'll, you'll get greeted four or five times before you hit your seat. It's, it's it, actually, it was more a discussion of appropriate greeting. And you don't have to hug everybody. Not everybody <laughs> new coming in wants a hug and everything. Right. So uh, tempering that a little bit. But some of the ushering, like a good usher, um, and I don't know even what we're calling it all now, but a good usher in the background can, it's like a waiter in a restaurant, just, just in and out and just so important. And they didn't have that. And so kind of security kind of, uh, just by default accepted some of that stuff. And, and of course their mindset is more keeping everyone safe, which is again, important, but needs to be in the background. <laughs> we're not the TSA. We're not frisking anyone uh, coming into, but um, so it, yeah, we just had a meeting last Thursday and that just exactly from the, you said curb to the chair. I was like yeah. from the parking lot to the sanctuary. Exactly. We just, yep. Yep. We have to yeah. get better at that. And think about, think about all of that. And then when they arrive and if it, you know, if you're able to block off, uh, the balcony and it's 250. I mean, that's about, if you get a hundred people in there, that's 40%, something like that. Um, it's not bad, uh, but it's still something to keep in mind. Like how could we create a little bit more energy here? Um, is there a way of blocking off some more? Is there, is there some pipe and drape? Is there a section we could drop? I don't know. I've never been to the auditorium, but I'm telling you energy is important. Uh, because again, First-time guests don't come with mercy. They come with judgment. And we had a Good Friday service, a combined Good Friday service with a bunch of churches. And that, man, it was packed. And I tell you what, that was, it was so much work. But I was just, it was Good Friday. Yeah. So two days before Easter, Easter was such a letdown because it was just jam-packed, 500 people. Wow. And uh, parking lot, we were parking them in the tree. I mean, it was, it was just crazy. But the, just the atmosphere, the, yeah, like you said, the energy, oh, yeah, and uh, of it was the most wonderful thing I've been a part of in, in years. And oh, that's uh, awesome. I totally yeah. forgot to let the police know, uh, for trying to get 500 people out onto the main highway there uh, that yeah, you've probably been on 180 coming into town. Oh yeah. Uh, you can't just pull out. There's no lights there. So nope. we're, we're, I saw so, man, I, I had to apologize to the sheriff a week later <laughs> when I saw him. I'm so sorry for, for yeah. not giving yeah. you a heads up on that. Didn't even think we were so worried about getting them into the building. Didn't even think to get them out. But uh, <laughs> it just, yeah, the environment was, was spectacular and yeah. I, it was a special event, but um, headed yeah. in that direction. So yeah. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, uh, I guess along those lines of we're at a hundred, uh, we were mm-hmm. at 60, we got up to a hundred, we're at a hundred. And um, I guess the next step is what? 125, 150. Uh, yeah. What, what's the next? Yeah. Layer well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would put it at, at uh, closer to the 200 mark. 200. Yeah. And I, I and there's, there's a difference. Um, there are some differences, I think, when you start leading. Here's the thing that you'll notice. I always say that there are um, programs uh, or personality, like at three levels. There's personality, program, uh, and process. Personality, programs, process. So what happens in the church world, think of that as three levels. 
What happens in the in the church world is let's take that word personality. Most churches um, grow to the level of the pastor's personality, that first level. So let's say you know that that pastor's got a you know a, a good personality. I wouldn't say it's like Mister Outgoing, but it's good. He's probably going to get seventy to hundred people. If he's just lights out personality, he might be able to get it to 150. You know, if he has more of a humdrum personality, he might get it to 60. You know, I don't know. But the point is, there's going to be a cap on the personality. Now, what happens, Tim, is from desperation, we move from personality to programs. So we're thinking, man, we've been 110 100 to 110 for the last year. We can't say. So all of a sudden, it's like, well, we need a women's Bible study. We need a men's Bible study. We need the Alpha course. We need the this. We need the that. And they're going to start putting all these things that they need, thinking that somehow programs is going to solve it. And they rarely ever get to that third part, which is process. Okay. That's the, to me, that's the ticket. It's personality will get you to a certain level. Out of desperation, we go to programs. And then we ultimately, got to get to process. So you got to start asking questions of, um, man, how do we, what's the speed by which we get people engaged into the life of the church, serving groups, whatever. How is that process look like? Is it simple? Is it clear? Are we truly only getting four new people every three months involved in ministry? Or are we doing six to eight people a month? Okay. Being realistic, what does that look like? What is the three easy steps? Like, they come on Sunday, they go to here, they go to this, and then boom, they're involved, and here's our follow-up. The system, message is inspired, but systems change behavior. So it's that process, it's that system of like, how do we get people moving along in this? That's such an important part of it. You got to think about, I would think about, the engagement system. How do we, assimilation engagement, how do we get people plugged in? I have said it so many times on this podcast, engagement over attendance. Focus on engagement, that will produce the attendance. The attendance is the result, the engagement is the activity. So, hey, do, how, how fast do we move this train? The average person takes about four to six months to get in, uh, to, to sign up and get engaged in, in anything in, in, in the life of the church. I think we got to get that number down, down to more like six to eight weeks. Hey, I like the church. And it's like, okay, I'll help out. I'll be a usher once a week. I'll be a, or once a month, I'll be a greeter once a month, even if you get them to do that. So think about the engagement process. Think about the leadership process. Most of us assign leaders based on faithfulness and we end up with managers, not leaders. Uh, and so how, what does that look like? What is the follow-up process? What's our environment look like? The reason leadership is important is because I always say if you want to if you want to grow a church to 100 minister to people. If you want to grow a church to 200 minister through people. It's vastly different. Things start to change where it's like okay, I start having a staff I've got some phenomenal leaders. These leaders are creating incredible greeting teams that love each other and that hang out and do picnics together. Like I've got this incredible leadership team that's raising the bar for me. Major difference when you start jumping from 100 to 200, 100 to 300, it's ministering to to versus ministering through. Hmm. Those are some of the things that I would look at for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's almost like (laughs) Jesus set the model too with the disciples, right? Yeah. Absolutely, minister. Yeah. He ministered through. He didn't. Yeah. He, it, uh, he went. He actually just went from ministering to to ministering through, and just left it up to them at that point. Right. right. And it is a great. It's a great example. But those are the things you got to take a hard look at. Like, yep. 
man, we t- ask the tough questions. I think one of the greatest jobs of a leader is to define reality. Hmm. What's our reality? How many people honestly get plugged in, new people get plugged into the life of the church every month, every two months, every three months? If it's two or three every two or three months, you're going to have a hard time getting to, getting breaking 150 to 200. So That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, that's my heart, too, is just coming into an older established church, understanding their history, realizing I didn't start this church. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, one of the previous pastors back in 1950 was George Wood's parents. George oh, my Wood, goodness. The, the head of the, yeah, I, I was reading the history wow. book. I'm like, no way. George Wood, head of the Assemblies of God across the world. And his parents actually pastored here for a couple of years. Oh, my so goodness. Just, just understanding, man, God started this. This is God's church. He started yeah. this way before they've been making an impact for decades. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just a small piece, a small cog. Do my part faithfully, but yeah, pour into people. It's good. But, but that's, that's a good way of clarifying it. They're ministering to people, but ministering through people is yeah. what takes yeah. it to the next level. And absolutely. But, so fortunately I had that mindset coming in. I don't want this all. Yeah. Just me doing to them, but yep. through them. Yep. And so just, yeah, the process is, is so important, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. What else you got on your mind today? I had one other one. And just, just as we, as we grow here, um, what is the right time to add staff? I, I've been in ministry for, for 20 some years, but just a, first off was a small, small church. It was just me. I was bivocational. And then I was a part of a larger church in, in Albuquerque. And, uh, I had nothing to do with the, the hiring process, whatever. I, I just worked with, I enjoyed being a part of the team. Right. Um, they had a Christian school, they had a TV station that there was moving parts all over the place. And, uh, and I, I observed how the, the leader there, um, hired and, and fired and, and stuff. But, um, I don't know. Any thoughts on, yeah, the right time to add staff. Is it, is it numbers grow? Mm-hmm. People grow. We got to do it. Is it finances grow? We can do it. Is it the mission grows? We have to. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, several thoughts on that. I, I do think it has a, um, some to do with the giving and some obviously got to be able to afford it. Uh, some to do with the attendance as well. Um, I think that, before you do anything, I think it's good to always set a level in your mind of how much of the of the overall budget is designated to uh, staffing. And so that way you can live with inside of that rather than just, I think we need a children's person. It's like, well, wait a minute, what what right. what's healthy for us? And you have to come up with that percentage. That may be 35% for you or maybe 50% for you. Whatever you come up with, um, I think you need to keep it healthy. Uh, because you have to be able to maintain uh, the building and all that comes with that and actually advance with programs and funding children's ministry and all that stuff. But I do think you have to come up with a percentage. I think that's an important part. Um, There are times where I think that you uh, staff for the future. So, you know, I've been there, you know, let's say it's like, wow, okay, the church is now running X amount. You know, we got four staff members and I'm like, Okay, wait a minute. Maybe um, I think that this staff member. I think it's a. I think it's it's going to put our percentages a little higher than it should be. Uh, but I believe that this person in twelve months will help bring up the attendance and the giving. And so it's staffing. That's it's a little dangerous because you're taking a little bit of a risk there. It's a calculated risk, but you're taking one. I would be, you know. So you're staffing for the future. You can do that. You just can't do that all the time. The other thing that I would think about is 
um, keep in mind the difference between, and there's a balance here, uh, the difference between staffing for departments or staffing for growth. So the natural tendency, and I'm not saying this is all wrong, but the natural tendency is, okay, I'm the pastor, and now I'm going to stipend the worship person. Then I'm going to stipend the children's person. Then I'm going to bring the children's person on even more and the worship person on even more. Now I'm going to bring a youth pastor on. I mean, I'm just kind of going like the typical standard. Okay, but when you staff for growth, it's like, okay, but who's in charge of full assimilation? Who's in charge to make sure that we have an invite culture that leads to Sunday morning, that leads to people getting engaged? Who's that? Because that is that those are growth mechanism. If you focus on engagement over attendance, that's a growth mechanism. The problem is we just find some volunteer over the very thing that is the growth mechanism. That's not to minimize the worship of children or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But put that into your mix. Because one of the things, there's, there's, there's five things I always look at when I, if I'm examining a church on a Sunday. Uh, I'm looking at the message. I'm looking at the worship. I'm looking at the overall environment. I'm looking at all things, next steps, and children. That's the thing that's got to hit a home run on Sunday morning. So somewhere, assimilation, like, okay, look, getting someone that really understands it, knows how to make it happen, and can produce. Because think about it for a minute. Even if you did a stipend on someone that's just like they're administratively strong, they know systems, they know how to do it, and 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 you say, okay, look, um, man, our goal is to to – to figure out the invite culture and to get people plugged into the life of the church faster. So what I call that is attraction and retention. So we got the side of attraction and the side of retention. We got to get people engaged. If you get a person that you're paying whatever amount of dollars uh, and they're adding seven to nine new people in ministry every month. Okay, well, let's put that right in the middle and call that eight. Let's call that every month eight times 12 is 96. You grow two people for every one new person you get involved in ministry. That person alone will take the church up to another level and thus pay for themselves. So again, just, just be open to, it's not just, oh, it's the major department. I think we really miss next steps and so much in that I, it has to be considered right up front. So I'm helping a church plant their their first multi-site. And they're probably a church of seven, 800, and they're going to plant the first multi-site. And I said, look, don't just look for the campus pastor. Look for the team. And part of that team has to be someone that dials in those next steps methods because that's what's going to help grow the church. Engagement over attendance. So I would think about a percentage Every now and then you can staff forward, but also think about not only major departments, but think about not only staffing the major departments, the staffing for the growth areas. What creates growth? Yeah. Those are the areas I would look at. I'd hate to bring someone on and then, yeah, nine months later, a year later, oh, sorry, we can't. And so I I (laughs) kind of err on the side of caution, slowly bringing them on. But like you said, there's times to just go for it too, right? Yeah, there are. I think yeah. you have to calculate those risks, right. but there are times to go for that. And um, yep. yeah, you know, and remember though, let, let me tell you, um, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but um, I, I cannot emphasize enough uh, that if, if you take the leader and take their top two, three, 
four at the most, probably two, three, the top two or three people around them, that will dictate how far they go. And I think in theory, we all know that, but if we step back and say, man, we've got to bring on the absolute, absolute best person we can bring on. I'll talk with guys that, you know, hey, they got a church of two or 300. They're bringing on their third or fourth staff member, part-time, full-time, whatever. And I'll always ask the question, even if I've never met the person before, is this the best person? I mean, the best you can get. You have turned over every rock. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, the top two or three people will dictate how far the church goes. Hmm. It is so important to get the highest level possible in there um, working with you. People that understand it, that know it, know how to grow, they're aggressive. You do not want to uh, have to raise a dead horse. You want to be able to tame one. Uh, get people in there that just run, you know. And one thing people have asked me over the years is like, hey, you've been, you know, you've had some success, success here and there and blah, blah, blah. And I said, one thing I've done pretty good is I've got some amazing people around me and I get out of their way. But they're going to run. I don't have to check on them. Did you do this? Hey, you need to work harder on this. You need to like, yep. yeah, there's correction and there's growth and there's development, all that. But right. they're coming in on a seven or eight and they're running hard. They don't need me to look over their shoulder. That's will make all the difference. So just yeah. consider that. Like before you say yes to someone, ask the question, have I turned over every rock? Hmm. And is this the absolute best person I can get on the team? Because who you get on the team will make all the difference. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking forward, looking forward to growing, looking forward to, again, I love being a part of the team. This has been a nice little change kind of for me yeah. now, small town, but, but I hear you. I hear you. Team, yeah, absolutely. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. Well, Hey man, it's been, uh, Thank it's been you. cool, cool chatting with you today, man. And, uh, always absolutely. here to serve, always here to help, but man, thanks for, uh, stopping by on the podcast, man. I really do appreciate it. All right. Let me know next time you're in Silver City. We'll go see Billy the Kid's uh, cabin. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank Appreciate it, man. Right. Thank right. you, Chris.